This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And welcome back to Cottage Talk. I'm Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Yana Shanaez, Max Cohen, and Craig Coben, who was actually at this victory for Fulham. We're going to be talking about the 3-0 victory for Fulham against Brighton Hove Albion at Craven Cottage. This should be fun. I look forward to it. we got a full house of uh, co-hosts here, so let me go around the table. Let's start with Mr. Janaeus. How are you doing? It's been a while. How's everything going, Giannis? Uh, good, good, um, good, and nice to, you know, with life going on and all its trials and tribulations, it's nice to get a couple of wins, you know, beating the manure last week and then knocking off the, the, the goals this week and hopefully the wolves next week and then that lot from Tottenham following. Play, it's good. It's good to get some wins and uh, at least we look pretty safe now. I would say so. Mr. Cohen, how are we doing? Just talked to you last week. It's good to have you back on with, like I said, this full house we have. Yeah, it's great to win two matches in a row, both teams above us in the league. And like Giannis said, we're looking pretty safe. We're closer to Arsenal in third than we are to Luton um, in the bottom three. So that's the one way to look at it in terms of our season. And there were a couple weeks or months when we were maybe a bit concerned looking over our shoulder, but I think it's fair to say we're ah. staying up this year. <laughs> and I think the most important thing now is finish strong and, and try to plan for next another year in the Prem, which although we expect it to happen, it, it's still a great achievement for us given we just got promoted couple of years ago okay excellent i guess i could say optimist max yeah <laughs> for sure i mean let's just say rodrigo muniz is he the best player in the we've ever seen for Fulham? i'm kidding but i oh. mean it, it shows how quickly fan sentiment can change <laughs> i was saying this with dan and you last week russ yeah the way he played away at, at bournemouth on boxing day compared to how he's played in the last month it's like a different person and i don't know i'd love to hear your guys thoughts on what changed for him or or what tactically or mar- what marco said to him but he looks like almost a replacement for Mitra. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but the way he's played, wow. the way he played, I mean, that was one of the best games I've seen from a striker all season for Fulham. So we can get into that. Okay, before I go to Craig, I have to share this from Steve Reynolds. We are four wins away from world domination. Love it. Love <laughs> it. Okay, Craig, how are you doing? How was the uh, match yesterday? Give me your opening thoughts. But it, before I do that, welcome back. Thank you, Russ. And uh, great to see you guys. 
Um, the atmosphere was pulsating in the Hammersmith end. A lot of singing, a lot of joy. We've had some great matches over the years against uh, Bor- against Brighton at home. Um, I remember the 4-2 come from Vorheim victory in 2018, the 2-1 victory last season, uh, even the 1-0 victory away last season where we really uh, scored a late goal by uh, Manor Solomon against the run of play. Um, this was a great win. I thought I actually thought Brighton were pretty good. They dominated possession, um, but uh, we dominated the scoreboard, and uh, it shows a lot that our team was able to weather the storm, soak up the pressure, and um, and score more or less in the counter attack. And I, I thought we played pretty well, given that we were faced off against a very strong team. Okay, great stuff. Over to you, Giannis. Your opening thoughts. It's a, it's a good win. Uh, Brighton, uh, we're uh, I think Black Whiteford just put it on the on the um, the chats, and the, and he's absolutely right about it. it's nice to be a bogey team, and we are the bogey team for some inane reason. Brighton play us, and it just doesn't work for them. Um, I think first half they had seventy one percent percent possession and played well. And forget, I mean, they took like, you know obviously Matoma's out. Um, Gross was on the bench. You've got to solely march out for the season. But despite that, we've got injuries too. And it was always going to be a difficult game. And I thought we gave a very good account of ourselves. And, and I've got a lot of time for Brighton and what Deserve has done down there. So um, a really good three points. And, um, you know, our form at the moment is good, which which is uh, gives us a lot of hope for the last 11 games. Okay. Max, over to you. Your opening thoughts on this victory. It's so great that I can have you on two weeks in a row. After a full victory. Yeah, no, it's great to be on. I think, you know, what, what Craig said was correct. Brighton showed up to play, but we managed the game in a very professional in a professional way. You know, they dominated possession, but unless, I mean, there was that spell in the second half when they hit the post and, you know, Ferguson seemed to have three one-on-one chances with Leno when we kind of rode our luck. But this was a professional Premier League performance, uh, which we're not necessarily used to seeing from us. And I think at, at times, if we can see it at 2-0 and it's 2-1, then it gets nervy, but we just rode our luck a bit. Um, delighted personally for Traore. Great finish for all the, the stick he gets about his end product and his injuries. He's now assisted the, the, the winner at United and scored his first goal for the club in, in two matches. Harry Wilson, let's also not forget, as well as Muniz played, I think Wilson played equally as well. Absolutely. So, you know, we're doing it without Paulinha, which is big. Yes. We're doing it without Willian starting, who you know people see as our, our best player sometimes, and without Jimenez. So it's almost important to say everyone that's missing, we're still playing excellent. And let's not forget Marco Silva is at the heart of it all. He is hundred percent to, to credit for this win and last week's win as well. When it looked like we had that, that period when we lost to Liverpool in the cup, lost to Newcastle fan protests, the season just a month and a half ago looked like it was ending for a pretty poor end and we've turned it around. And I think that's credit to the manager. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about him coming up, but before we do that, Craig, I want to go back to you. Here's an interesting question for you. You were there. Should Fulham have won by more? They created a tremendous amount of opportunities. 3 nils, great. Should it have been by more? No. Look, we could have made it 3 nil a bit earlier. There were a couple of squandered chances. But I think um, if we had made it 3 nil earlier, that probably is where the game would have ended up. I mean, this, is, this was one of the most evenly matched 3 nil games you'll ever see. I don't think... Okay the scoreboard reflects 
the fact that the play was pretty even, the fact that Brighton dominated possession. And on the pitch, it was a fairly even match. Um, it's just we took our chances and they didn't. And as soon as we were up, um, there were chances at their end of the of the pitch because they were throwing men forward. I mean, the second half, what's extraordinary is that there were no goals until the injury time goal by Traore. I mean, there were just so many chances. There was so much space out there because Brighton were throwing men forward to try to get back in the game. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Giannis. Let's be honest here in the second half, especially. Brighton Hove Albion had a couple of chances there that just didn't go their way. So I see where Craig's point that if you look at the possession that he had, that Brighton had, you could make the argument that the score line is fair. But uh, I'm just asking the question because Fulham did create more opportunities there. Could have been 6 3. It could have been 7-4. I mean, they created a lot of chances. We did as well. Um, I thought, you know, we're going to go to the lineups. I think their defeat should go down to Deserby. I think he's just blamed for it. Okay. I, I thought their lineup was, I, as soon as I saw it, I thought we'll we win this. I just thought it was naive. I know they've got Roma this week in the Europa Cup. I just thought it was disrespectful in terms of how they how they put that midfield together and really thought, that team had just gone up to Old Trafford and won the way they did and made no changes was going to be a pushover at a place which tends to be a graveyard for Brighton. And um, and the first half, coming in at halftime, 2 nothing down, he realised that uh, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't going to work. But Brighton were good value for the entertainment. They created some chances. Ferguson really had a huge one he should have, he should have put away. But that's, in, that's where the, we talk about Munoz. And Ferguson, it's it's really about confidence, isn't it? Ferguson looks lost. He hasn't scored since 1950. And Munoz has now scored five and five. And he look, he's just, his confidence is just top shelf right now. And um, and that was the big difference between the two sides. Okay, so basically we're coming down to the striker and finishing. Very interesting yeah. there. Yeah, it's so over to you, Max. Your thoughts. Should Fulham have won by more? Craig makes an argument that it was a pretty even match, ex- obviously, except for the finishing here. I mean, we won three 0 so <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think we could have won by more. Um, I think the fa- the fair result might have been three one. I think we we edged it, okay. not, maybe not three 0 Yeah, you know, you had Harry Wilson went through on goal and put it wide. Pereira somehow didn't hit the target. I think or didn't score on two occasions when we won it high up the pitch. So we definitely had more chances than the scoreline suggested. Um, you know, Wobi had a great ball into Wilson that was blocked. It could have been a shot on target. So we played well. But I think that it was the I think the scoreline was was correct, even if it flattered us a bit. Okay. It was kind of a loaded topic there, but I just wanted to throw it out there. All right. Back over to you, Craig. I think this is really where I want to get to talking about the game plan for Marco. And I thought Marco outcoached Deserby. We've already talked a little bit about that. You guys have talked about it. So I want to talk about this because I saw an interview with Harry Wilson afterwards, and he basically, in paraphrasing, talked about how they were prepared for this. They knew how they they were going to play, that they were not going to have the ball as much, and they were going to take advantage of their opportunities. That's exactly what we saw here. So thoughts on Marco's game plan, because it was more of a counterattacking game plan here. Well, he adapted to the players that he had. When you have Kearney and William in the lineup, we tend to build along that left side and play your possession game. Um this time we had different personnel. We had, you know, Luke Sitch and Reed again in the midfield. 
And I think the priority was first to make sure that we could break their press. And I think we did a reasonable job. A couple of times they caught, you know, they, they dispossessed us. But I think we did a reasonable job with their press. And the second was just to make sure we didn't lose our shape in defense. And I think we did a good job there. It was only in the second half a little bit. Sometimes they went over the top and, and got and got through. But certainly in the first half, we looked, uh, you know, very, very solid. And then the counterattacking was incredibly fluid and quick. And um, it was actually, I, I didn't look at the statistics, but it was probably more on the right than on the left, which is yeah. unusual for us. We've, For most of the season and most of the recent games, we've been attacking much more on the left than on the right. Uh, and certainly our second goal came from a counterattack uh, on the right side. So, you know, I mean, they lined up in an interesting way, Brighton, right? They had three at the back, um, sort of a 3-4-2-1 or 3-4-3. Right. Very tactical geniuses will know better than I will. But, (laughs) you know, they were quite narrow, and they're trying to play through the middle. Um, And I think we we were always – we weren't really caught, you know, unaware. So even though they had a lot of the possession, they didn't have – especially in the first half, they didn't have very many openings. No. No, and that's what's interesting about this. And over to you, Giannis, because a, a thought of mine before the match when I did my preview was how was Fulham going to play this match? Were they going to play how we normally play? Or was it going to be a little bit like how we played against Manchester United, play more narrow? So I find it interesting that Harry Wilson basically comes out and tells you that uh, the game plan was to basically beat them on the counter that they were going to have more of the ball and, and take it from there. So what are your thoughts about how the team prepared for this and how it executed? It was, it was, it was a clever game plan. And I think that Marco also looked at the fact that they would have had one eye ahead on the Roma game, but they're not going to admit this. Um, I know deserving made a reference to it afterwards that they deserve to be with the eye on the Europa league. And that's great. But, but you can't deny that the players are probably very, very excited about it. It's a huge occasion. We went through it, you know, 12, 13 years ago, so we know. And um, it looked like the lineup that they set they set up was, was safe. And um, Marco used the, um, the confidence of having that same lineup with the same approach against Man U to play at home, knowing that we're very, very good on the counter. We're really really quick on the counter and against United last week I think that was the big thing that impressed me they really seemed to have no answer for what was going on um, on the break and again if you look at that Brighton back three you know Duncan Webster and you had Van Hecker dropping they're not very quick they're really not and the great the the super defenders in terms of uh, ball playing but on the counter they're they're all over the shop and and it was obviously we were prepped for it and um, it, it's good as well. It's, it's good, especially without Polini in the lineup, because right. there's going to be some difficult decisions to make for the Wolves game. I think Wolves is going to be a very interesting game because we've got Wolves and then we've got Tottenham. The Wolves game, we could pull level with, with them if we win. And um, he may have to make a couple of really interesting, interesting decisions to see how he plays this, especially in light of the way we played yesterday and last week against Manu. Does he... Manu, does he we follow the same approach again. Does it work? I, right. We shall see. I've got one a controversial comment before the end of the show about where, where I think it, we should go next week. But 
Okay, very good. <laughs> Giannis, just want to mention you already jumped ahead because that'll be our next topic where we actually talk about the starting 11 and what does Marco do for next week. I'm glad that you brought us there. But before we go there, Max, I want to go to you because, again, when I watched this interview after the match from Harry Wilson and Rodrigo Muniz, I just found it fascinating that Harry Wilson comes out and basically tells you how well they prepared for this. I don't think that they were going to concede the possession, but I think they understood what they would need to do if that happened, right? If they were not going to have a lot of the possession, they knew what to do. So I think the game plan here by Marco was very good, but the players had to go out and execute it, and they did. Sure, and we did benefit, though, from the team selection, I think. is It's proper to, to note that, as, as you guys have, is that th- this was a second-choice Brighton team. And as Giannis mentioned, I mean, it's – it's disrespectful. We can understand why they did it, but I think part of the Zerby thought he could just roll up to the cottage with a yeah. second choice team and they could still get the job done. I mean, they're also coming off. They had some big wins recently. I think away at Sheffield United, they put up a bunch of goals. Um, so they're not in poor form either. And he completely got it wrong. He did not anticipate. I think that that Fulham were going to be so up for it. The counterattacking was great. I think I wasn't very impressed by Lamptey and Estupinian, who in my mind are very quality wingbacks, but, we seem to deal with them at ease. And yeah, the, the, the center, the center back trio wasn't up for it really in my mind for Brighton and Giannis mentioned they're great ball playing center backs. I agree, but you know, they let Muniz drift in without even a, without a, a touch on him for the second goal and got beaten twice in the air by him for the first goal. So as much as, you know, we should respect Brighton Muniz, a relatively newcomer to the Premier league bullied them in the first half. Okay, excellent stuff. All right, Craig, over to you. I want to get your thoughts on the starting 11, okay? So let's start there, and then we're going to talk about moving forward with the starting 11. Just in general, your thoughts on the decision to stick with the starting 11 from the Manchester United match and play probably, and it did play out the way that they did prior. So what are your thoughts about that decision? Because I I think that wasn't the easiest decision to make because you had a couple of players that were going to be available like William. You didn't have Paulina, but he decided to stick with those 11. What are your thoughts? It's interesting, you know, not starting William and Kearney was a big decision because right. that combination, um, you know, has been really effective for us in several matches. Um, but I guess his thinking, I guess Silva's thinking was that we should stick with the lineup that, was successful against Manchester United and that he can always make the changes later in the game and bring them on. Um, and I think he was broadly speaking, uh, vindicating that decision. I think, you know, Lukic and Reed have developed actually a pretty good partnership in the midfield, much better than probably had expected. And I think Harry Wilson, you know, as a starter, as opposed to Bobby Deckard over Reed again, I think adds another dimension um, to our play. Um, he's, you know, he, he cuts in from the right side to get it onto his left foot. And um, that's something we haven't had with Bobby Deckard over here. And I would say, you know, we were a lot more active on that side of the pitch with, with Harry Wilson in, in, in the team. Um, I think the other observation is, you know, when it comes to the, 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 the back four, we play a pretty high back four um, and, and the center backs are pretty aggressive. Uh, and I think, you know, we can get away with that with the players that we have. And in particular, I thought Basti again, was, was a standout performer in the back four, but so was Castagna. And, um, 
So we seem to be quite, even though we mix and match a little bit in the back four, we seem to be a lot more solid than we have been early in the season and certainly even the last season. Well, let me go back to you. I'm glad that you talked about the center back pairing. Are you sold on this center back pairing for the rest of the season? Would you go with this? Yes. Um, look, I think Reem is excellent on the ball, but he's also 34, 35 years old. Um, and I think Bassey is just stronger, younger, and also uh, quite quite good on the ball. Um, and you know, Tosin versus Diop, it's really hard to say. that. I mean, Diop makes a lot of errors, and he is not as good on the ball as Tosin. Neither of them are are fantastic. They're both big, strong defenders. Um, but I think with Diop in the lineup, the, you know, when they press us, they often will leave Diop alone and cover other men and, and shut down options for us. And it's, it creates a, a bit of a dilemma of, uh, on the pitch for us. Okay, great stuff. Over to you, Giannis. I want to get your thoughts about the center back pairing, what Craig just shared. But overall, I want to talk about the starting 11. I also want to mention, I just got a nice message from the Fulham shadow, Emilio Danello, who could not join us today, but wanted to say hello to you and, and the rest of the guys. Hi, Teddy. Hope, you, hope you're good, matey. Um, I think the, um, uh, the, so the first one, Bassi and Tosin, good yep. partnership. I agree with Craig about, about Timmy, and he's going to be back next year. We know that. Diop is a little error prone, but they do their job. Starting 11, he had no choice. He had to pick this 11. They played so well against Man U. Where do you start? Yeah, William and, and um, Candy don't start. But you, he's also got to start planning for next year as well. Right. And looking at the combinations. Lukic, at long last, gets a bit of a run out. I've been crying for this kid to be playing. He was brilliant at Torino. And you now see... His quality. Look at that challenge, that horrendous challenge last week. We know the one, um, uh, Slabhead Harry, and there's no red. And then, yeah, you could see blood in his ankle, and he carries on playing the way he did. You can't change a winning team. Um, and uh, I'd be really surprised if uh, Marco changes next week. Okay. I really we're, would. We're going to talk about that, Yana. So it's an interesting dilemma because we're going to talk about the Polina situation okay we'll get to that in just a second but before we do i want to give max his chance to talk about the starting 11 and the center back pairing and max i'm sold on this center back pairing i love tim ream just like anyone else diop as the guys have already said does have that mistake in him so i understand why fans might want someone else because tosin might not be with us the rest of the season but i don't care you got to play tosin and bassy right now i think it's your best pairing i agree they've they bullied Ferguson in a way. I think the Brighton defenders thought they would bully Muniz. I think the be the best part of the match for Bassey was when he just threw Ferguson five meters and then kind of laughed at him and said, "Welcome to the Premier League, you know, teenager." <laughs> uh, and and Tosin is he's excellent. You know, he's he's also had errors like Diop in, in, in his film career. But I think the most important thing about Tosin is that he his recovery speed is better than Diop's, and that to me is one of the most vital things for center back in, in the modern era is you have to be pacey. You have to be able to adapt. And I think that in a foot race, Tosin beats most strikers, honestly, which, which is really impressive. So I'm happy with Tosin and Bassey. We've talked about it before in the show, Russ, about, you know, yep. he looks like he might leave to me. I hope he stays, but that shouldn't affect the selection in March. You know, you select your best team and he's, right. he's one of the best center backs. That's right. You go with your best team and, 
it's going to be an interesting call for Marco for the upcoming match against Wolves. Giannis, I'm going to go to you first because we've already a little been talking about what's going to happen next. I find this fascinating, and I'm going to give you a scenario that someone gave to me today, okay? But should you stick with the starting 11? Should Marco stick with it for the Wolves match? Now, here's an interesting scenario that was given to me. Would you take out Reed and keep Lukic in there and put Paulinia back and have Lukic play a little further up with Pereira, have it those three? That's a scenario, but I want to get your thoughts because I think this is not an easy one. I mean, people can automatically think that Paulinia comes back in, right? Does he, though? I say no, um, and I've got a couple of reasons for that. Firstly, um, it's it, Harrison and Sasha have done nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. They've had two excellent games recently. Number one. Number two, actually, there's three. The second one is this is the, you know, he's been suspended again. And I think this is a, this is a, a means of Marco saying, well, you know what, you're a superb player for us, da-da-da-da-da-da. There's some indiscipline there. And when players have had to come in and fill the hole, the gap that you've left because you're suspended, and they do the job, to be fair, then how the hell do I not pick them? That's number two. And number three, if there's going to be any worry about Palinia's minutes, Portugal have a couple of games coming up anyway soon. So in the international break, he'll get to play. So we shouldn't have to worry about match fitness and what have you. I think you go with your strongest available 11, but you've also got to put form in. And for me, Wolves is a great a great example of where you um, you stick with your winning lineup. You talked about Bobby Dacre over Reed earlier, right? And Harry Wilson. We still have to play Newcastle, Tottenham, City, Liverpool at home. There's going to, there are going to be plenty of opportunities to bed these players in. If Palinia leaves this season, it's important at the end of the season, it's important to see what Harrison and Sasha can do together. These are valuable minutes, not just for now, but for the future. And that's why, knowing that we're relatively safe, I would take the gamble and I would start the same 11 next week against Wolves. Very interesting. And it's an interesting call for Marco. Over to you, Craig. What are your thoughts about this? Because, like I was talking about, it's a good problem to have, right, to figure out what you're going to do. But you do have who I think is your best player now going to be available for the Wolves match. But you also have to look at form and the cohesion that you're having with Reed and Lukic. Do you drop one of them to bring Paulinia back? Look, I think you stick with the starting 11 that has won you the last two games. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you can have Paulinia on the bench and see how things go. If we were playing against Tottenham, I might I, I might revisit that question because Tottenham is going to be another level of competition as opposed to you know Wolves or, or Brighton or even frankly speaking uh, Manchester United. Um, as you, I don't know if you know this, but uh, you know in the in the stands we have a song for Harrison Reed, and you know where he's known as the Ginger Iniesta. Yep, and. Um, if you do bring Paulinia in, um, I, I think it's he'd have to be in lieu of Lukic because I do think you need to have, you know, a playmaker of some kind. Um, I think moving Lukic up and putting Paulinia in is probably not the right structure okay. um, that, that we would have. I mean, Paulinia is the ultimate destroyer midfielder. And, you know, against... I mean, it's debatable, and it depends a little bit on the tactics uh, that Marco wants to deploy. But I would have thought against the likes of Tottenham or Man City, you know, you need somebody like that to break up the play. 
Um, so I would probably stick with the starting 11, have Paulini on the bench. And, you know, it was quite clear that the players were fairly fatigued around 60, 65 minutes in this match. Um, and, you know, Marco is a kind of reluctant, he, he's sometimes reluctant to bring on substitutes. He's often late bringing on substitutes, but maybe there, there's a, there'll be a reason to bring on substitutes a bit earlier next match. Okay, interesting stuff. Okay, over to you, Max. Your thoughts about this conundrum. We can also throw in William starting as well because he was available for this last match. He did not change it. So maybe there's an argument here that he will stick with the starting 11 against Wolves. Upcoming matches, then he'll have some other decisions like the guys are talking about with Tottenham on the horizon. I think Paulinho would be more needed maybe in that match. What are your thoughts about all this? I'm going to go against against the grain here and say you got to start Pelinha. He's okay. our best player. You don't leave your best player on the bench, even if the team's on great form, which they are. And it is harsh on either Lukic or Reed. And I'm honestly not sold on who comes out. But, I mean, Jao Pelinha, we've said it time and time again for Fulham, is of a different class. And the way he operates in the middle of the park, he's I think he's our most important player. So it's tough, but I think if he's fit, he has to start. Okay, interesting stuff. Back over to you, Craig. Your thoughts on what Max just shared? Look, that's a that's a fair argument. I, I don't think the stakes are that high in this next match. Um, and I think there is some benefit to having continuity and for rewarding the players who've played well. Um, I think if we're if the next match were against Tottenham, I would feel slightly differently. Okay. Giannis, I'll give you a final word on this. I, 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 I'm a loyalty kind of guy. I love Pellini to death, but, but as I said, Lukic has done, Lukic and, and Harrison have done nothing wrong. Keep him, as Craig said, sit him on the bench, maybe bring him back for Tottenham. Um, I just still think, I still think we need to, with 11 games to go, we've got to look at partnerships. Lukic is going to be here next year. So is Harrison Reed. So let's, let's see what they can do together. Um, and then um, and assess that way. Okay, excellent stuff, guys. All right, coming up next, we're going to break down the match. We'll give our analysis of both halves and talk about the goals, and uh, we'll end with man of the match. If you're watching live, feel free to share your thoughts on who was man of the match. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Okay, Craig, I'm going to go to you first. Let's just get your analysis of the first half, and then we'll talk about the two goals. Uh, but I just want to get your thoughts on what you watched at Craven Cottage because it started off, as you mentioned, listen, the play was pretty even. The goals changed the match. But what did you see from Fulham in the first half just overall? Well, of course, both goals were at the opposite end uh, from where <laughs> I, I was standing uh, in the Hammersmith end. Um, look, I thought the first half was pretty even. In fact, I even thought they started fairly well. Lamptey, uh, who was substituted at halftime, actually caused, uh, I think, Robinson a few difficulties. But they didn't really have any chances that I can remember off the top of my head, any, any significant chances on goal. Uh, they had a fair amount of the possession. Um, the first goal changed everything, and it, it obviously came a little bit out of out of nothing. Um, it was just a long ball that you know Munoz won was able to head over to um, to Harry Wilson, uh, and that really changed the kind of dynamic of, of the first half. Until then, I thought it was fairly even, slightly cagey, but uh, you know they had a bit more of the possession, but we were never out of shape, uh, and we were both sort of feeling each other around a little bit. The other observation I had made early in the first half was that um, their press was pretty well organized, and sometimes we had to hurry and kick it long just to just to clear the lines. They were putting our guys under pressure. Sometimes we managed to pass our way out, but sometimes we weren't. Uh, but it was a continuous challenge for us to break their press. But overall, even first half, but the goals changed everything, especially the first goal which, as I said, came out of nothing. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Max. I want to get your thoughts on the first half, just analysis. And like I said, we're going to go back and talk about the goals individually. But just give me your thoughts on what Craig shared and uh, and what did you make of the first half? What were you thinking about when you're watching it at home? I kept going back to something we talk about, which is you know just the timing of goals. And, and, and the luck sometimes can just totally turn a match on his head. You know, it reminded me almost of that period in, in December when we were beating teams 5-0 weekly. And that's how it seemed. Every time we went forward, it looked dangerous. And we were so clinical. And when you're 2-0 up, half an hour in, you, you, you just have so much, such an advantage. The other team has to chase it. Um, but I was thinking, I hope it doesn't, what happened against Bournemouth doesn't happen when they score right. really early on in the second half and then we're nervy. But the home form has been good for us. And... I was just delighted by Muniz because the way he stuck his head in there, the dangerous yeah. areas, fearless. It reminded me of Mitrovic. It really did. He, we have to talk about it because we, we're going to talk about it when we talk about the Muniz goal. You're yeah. already jumping ahead, Max. Well, yes, for the first time, I, I, I can't contain my excitement for Muniz, Russ, which is just <sighs> okay. night and day from, is this really the same player who, who struggled on loan at Borough? <laughs> you know, yeah, well, it's young. the same guy, but he's, he's certainly young. playing at a different level. And it says a lot to me about our own analysis. Sometimes we have to lay off the youngsters who are adapting to English football because, I mean, he, what, he was nominated for Premier League Player of the Month. That's right. So yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Let, let's just remember that I was very harsh on him when he first came over here. I was harsh on him as, as recently as December. I remember, Max. I remember. But you know what? What's good about you is that you will then assess when you see a player basically change. And you've seen that. So good for you for admitting a fault. How about that? Well, thank you. Thank you, Ross. <laughs> this is why you're the host. That's why you're the host of the most. That's right. Well, thank you, Max. All right. Over to you, Giannis. Let's talk about the first half. I 
promise we're going to talk about Muniz. I promise, because I want to go in a little bit of a discussion on that when we talk about his goal, because I think it's significant, and I think it talks about some other things that's going on with him. But I just want to get your thoughts, Giannis, when you're watching it at home. What was going through your mind watching that first half? It was entertaining. It was entertaining, and it always is when we play Brighton. They're always good games. You know, you, you, they, they've got good individual players. They're very well coached. Um, they pass the ball very well. The systems are good. They're pretty flexible. Um, as I said, I wasn't particularly enamoured with their lineup yesterday. But I did think that it was an entertaining first half, and it was a nip and tuck. But the goal, the goal sort of came about, the first goal came about from Muniz just being a total nuisance. And that's what he was in the whole game, a total nuisance. And, um, you know, I, if you've noticed with the five goals in five games, he's cut out a lot of the frill and the silly little back flicks and what have you. Now he's back to goal, holding the ball up. He's going up legitimately, looking to win every single aerial challenge. Lewis Dunk is one of the best in the division in the air. And he's going out there and he's, fire, he's firing on cylinders. So I think he's just, with him, I think he's just simplified his game. Okay. Somebody has told him, look, cut out the crap. Centre forwards do this. And he there was a lot of Mitro about him because he's Mitro was always a pest. And um, it, it, there was no such thing as a ball that was ever lost. And, um, and it's good to see because everybody else on the field is busting a gut. So he's doing the same thing as well. And, and now you're seeing that, that centre forward play is, is lifting everybody else up. And that's why we're beginning to get the results that we are and the, the goals that he's scoring as well. Okay, excellent. All right, Craig, I'm going to go to you. I want to talk about the goal from Harry Wilson. I know it was on the other end, but uh, I would just want to get your thoughts on the goal. And what's interesting is that I listened to BBC Radio Sussex final whistle and heard some Brighton Hove Albion supporters that were very critical of their defenders on this goal, especially because they should know that he's an inverted winger and they need to stop him. What are your thoughts about, again, the header from uh, Muniz to set up this wonderful goal from Harry Wilson. And thoughts about him playing on the right, being this inverted winger? Well, it's not very common in the Premier League for the defenders to be bullied like that by number nine um, and to win the ball in this way to set up a goal. I mean, that shouldn't happen in the Premier League. Um, and so I think there are questions to be asked about the Brighton defenders, um, even, you know, that's not taking anything away from what uh, Muniz accomplished in the air, but um, it really shouldn't happen. And I think if it had, the same thing had happened at our end, we'd be rightly critical of the center backs. Um, I think we should also recognize that not only did Muniz did do an incredible job winning the ball and heading it over to, to Wilson, but Wilson's finish was a fine finish. Oh. Um, admittedly, they should have gotten a bit closer to him, but it was still he got the ball on his left foot, and that was a that was a a, a class finish, uh, and the goalkeeper could do nothing about it. You know, it was a strange goal in the sense that you know that what didn't come from build a play, didn't come nope. from a counter attack, it just came from a long ball. Uh, you sometimes see that in League One, very occasionally in the Championship, almost never, really very rarely in in the modern day Premier League, but. Um, you take them where you can get them. I mean, against Bournemouth, we had a defender slip and we scored our opening goal. And here we just, we scored via route one. I'll take it. I was going to say, Craig, I will take it too. So I, I understand where you're coming from. Giannis, in a way, 
it was almost going back to the Roy Hodgson days where you have Bobby Zamora playing that role. Okay. So your thoughts on the goal from Harry Wilson, but also obviously the play of Rodrigo Muniz. And we're going to dive into him a little bit more when we talk about his goal. Yeah, it's like uh, you can say to the Brighton defenders, you know, Webster got bullied, silly, but it's like saying, okay, Harry Wilson is going to invert inside. You've got to stop him, but then try saying that to stop Foden. <laughs> it's great to say try and stop him, but you have to try and stop him. And when Harry Wilson gets that little bit of space, forget it, he's got a fantastic left foot. He really does. It was a, it's a beautiful goal. And again, you know, he's going to get all the plaudits for the finish, but, but it was Muniz who, who bullied defenders twice there. And... Um, you know, that, that that's just, it's great that you went back to Bobby Zamora because Zamora, that's what Zamora used to be very, very good at. Yeah. We can play the direct game. We've got um, someone now that's going to bother teams. Um, it's not just about, uh, you know, when, if you've got players like William and Kearney sitting on the bench, you know, uh, you could talk about changes, but look, look we, do, we haven't mentioned Iwobi yet. No, we have not. We have <laughs> and, and not mentioned Iwobi. Alex Iwobi. Yeah, I mean, you know he's the he's the old Trafford hero, and um, you know we've got we've got. I think what I'm saying is we've got different approaches to hurt teams, and Muniz is one we've been crying out for for the bulk of the season, and finally he's beginning to develop. To develop. And you've got to remember, with centre forwards, it, it takes time, right? Um, and he's still only a, a, a baby, um, but he's on a real high. And I mentioned earlier about Evan Ferguson. Evan Ferguson's only 19, I know, but you see that goal. I think. Last year, year certainly last year, he'd have finished that that, that chance. Um, good job by Leonard closing down, but he would have finished that. But at the moment, he's got no confidence. And these strikers are, are confidence-focused. Uh, and um, that was what, what uh, Muniz did with the first goal. And um, it deserves a lot of credit for, for, for the way he hassled the defenders into making a mistake. Okay, excellent. Over to you, Max. It's funny because uh, I do want to get into talking about Rodrigo Muniz. So I, I want to get your thoughts on the goal from Wilson, but I want to transition and then focus on this goal because they basically trade roles here because now you have a cross from Harry Wilson that sets up Muniz to, as you're saying, a situation that you would see with Alexander Mitrovic often. So what's fascinating about this is that I thought he made Lewis Dunk look silly here. I mean, that's what's crazy about all this. We're talking about Rodrigo Muniz. Bullying players of that level just think about that so let's talk about get your thoughts on the goal from Wilson then let's go right to talking about Rodrigo Muniz's goal and we're going to talk about him a little bit more yeah I mean the the goal from Wilson I want to say Lukic makes a great run on the right wing which forces the defender to kind of check back and gives Wilson an extra bit of space so credit to Lukic for opening that up because he didn't get the ball and he was frustrated but he almost led to the goal indirectly and then the Muniz goal I mean what a ball that is from Wilson I mean you have to single out Wilson again because he puts all the pace on it and puts it just, I, I, don't, I think it was Webster or Dunk, whoever was the first center back closer to the near post. He doesn't even, he can't jump for it. It's right above his head. And that leaves the second center back on his heels. And the one making the perfect run with the great movement is Muniz. And doesn't have to put much pace on it because it's hit so well from Wilson. It's nicely redirected. And yeah, I mean, we've seen that goal so many times with Wilson and Mitro in the championship, it felt like. So it was major deja vu there, Russ. Uh, and I mean, what, how many goals has he scored in the past? Five games, Muniz? Is it five? Five. Five and five. Five and five. And Jimenez scored five in the past five years, so that's pretty good. Oh, just kidding. Okay, <laughs> very good. All right. All right, Craig, I, wa I want to go back to you. I want to talk about Rodrigo Muniz, okay? 
So as we're talking about the goal, and I'm glad that Max mentioned this, you've had a chance to watch some really good strikers, excellent strikers at Craven Cottage. I'm curious your thoughts about what you're seeing from him and even compare him to when Jimenez was in there because it's different now. It's almost like we're going back to the Metro days, the way we're playing, because I think we played differently with Jimenez. So I want to get your thoughts on the goal, but I also want to talk about Muniz in general. Look, Muniz manages to, I mean, he holds the ball up actually quite well. There are several times in the match he was able to to hold it up and bring players on to him, which, you know, is something that Mitro tended to be very good at as well as scoring goals. Um, it, that's not the kind of play that Jimenez, whom I actually do rate highly uh, since he's recovered from his injury. I actually think Jimenez is a pretty good striker. Um, once he sort of came back to his the, the form he had when he was at Wolves, uh, but he's a different type of striker, Muniz from from, from Jimenez. Um, but he combines, you know, strength with an ability to to move and ability to to score goals. Um, he's not a speedy racer running off the last man, but he you know he's pretty quick. He's pretty mobile and. You know, he knows where to be. And I, I think it's all been an incredible surprise. As he's been able to get more minutes, he's just seemed to have grown in confidence. It's a little, I mean, sometimes these players that just hit a purple patch. I mean, you will remember last season that didn't Manor Solomon score five goals in five games for us? He and did. Every time he came onto the pitch, you felt like he was going to cut in from the left side and, and curl a, a shot uh, from, you know, from with his right foot to score. You know, sometimes these players they get they get very hot, and he just feels Rodrigo Muniz feels you know, feels like he's very confident in his game. I would contrast that, for example, with um, with Andres Pereira, who you know had a one on one and didn't pull the trigger, and I don't think he really believed he could score. I mean, it had to be on his left foot, and I just yeah. didn't. He didn't believe he could score, and. Um, you know what makes a player feel confident or not? I don't know. It's 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 pretty intangible. Okay, excellent. I want to share this. This is from Tony. Greetings from Los Angeles. Greetings, Tony. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Okay, Giannis, back over to you. What your thoughts about all this? It's interesting. I'm glad that Craig actually brought up a very interesting uh, discussion piece. Menor Solomon scored all those goals. He had a huge purple patch, and then, uh, unfortunately, other teams figured him out. So should we be concerned that that might happen here with Muniz, or is it basically apples and oranges? No, I don't want to come. Manor who? Never heard of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, no, so- Solomon. Who's ever going to forget that that winner down at um, the Amex? Um, no, I wouldn't worry about it because I think he's got um, – yeah, <sighs> You hate to bring this up, but it is what it is. I mean, you've got the, the native speaking there. You've got you've got Willie in there. You've got you've got Palinho in there. You've got Pereira in there. You've got a Portuguese speaking coach. You've got yeah. Luis Morte. I mean, it it, it 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 does contribute, and I think that um, sometimes things can be lost in translation for foreign players, whether we like to say it or not. And Muniz as 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 um, he's. He's hit the purple patch, but I think he's the sort of boy where he's not going to let it get to his head. I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be the thing. He's a big, strong specimen. 
he's a youngster, um, but I think he's pretty humble. Um, we saw with Manor, he thought that the grass was green on the other side. He's gone to to Tottenham, fine. Um, but Manu's tough has toughed it out, and going to Middlesbrough on loan is never the funnest thing. And then to come back, and of course, then you had Jimenez came in. Let's not forget Vinicius, and he was really number three in the packing order. And then all of a sudden, Jimenez gets injured. You ship Vinicius out on loan, and now you're on your. He's basically said, right, it's you, boy. Do what you got to do, and he's done it. Right. He's played with a plum, and it's great. And the the full we're all warming to Munoz, which is great. You saw the reception when he was subbed yesterday for Broha. I don't know what Broha's thinking right now, <laughs> <laughs> because I think there's some real ability there. I, I really do. Um, but he's been a bit unlucky because he's come in to a squad thinking I'm going to start, and Munoz has gone, no, no, you're not. <laughs> not here, mate. Not going to happen. So. Um, no, good, good, for, good for Muniz, and let's hope he can make it six and six next week. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, let's transition into the second half. And Craig, I'm going to uh, go right back to you because uh, Fulham did create a good amount of opportunities. You had that one from Wilson. You had a few from Andres Pereira, and that was probably right in front of you. So, give us your analysis of what you watched in that second half. We'll talk about the Traore goal at the end to uh, finish off the match, but you have some opportunities also from Brighton Hove Albion. They were much better in the second half. They were, they went for it. They were trying to score to uh, make a two, one. They were maybe a little bit unlucky not to get a goal, but like you were talking about informed strikers, you know, maybe that was the difference here. So your thoughts on the second half. It was end to end stuff. I mean, there were a lot of open spaces. They threw men forward. We had the counterattack. I mean, the pace dropped off a little bit at a couple points, but it was pretty intense stuff. We looked a little tired and leggy in parts, and um, and I thought that there was a period kind of 65, 70 minutes where it felt like we were a little bit on the ropes and that they, they came close to scoring. They're going over the top and beating us. Um, but... They didn't really change their shape that much. They 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 made two substitutions at halftime, um, but they still kept that three man back. Maybe you could argue out of possession they were more four in the back, but they they looked like they basically kept the same setup, but they were just much more assertive. So and we started to tire, and I think when you're chasing the ball, we don't have a lot of possession on the ball. It is a little bit more tiring. I think the substitutions actually were pretty timely um, and having somebody like Kearney in the team at that juncture was very important because he's very good at calming things down, maintaining possession, ensuring we can you know keep the ball a little bit longer because I think the danger often is um, when you don't have possession and they just keep coming at you at some point, at some point you can see. Okay. Excellent stuff there, Craig. Over to you, Giannis. What's interesting about a 2-0 lead, I've heard this over and over again, that it's actually a dangerous lead because if they score the goal, then it's 2-1. to one, Then who knows what's going to happen from there. So how did you feel Fulham handled the second half? Obviously, they were creating a good amount of opportunities. I'm glad that Craig brought up the substitutions because I think they were timely. It's a very good point by him. Overall, what are your thoughts about what you saw from Fulham in the second half? Well, we knew they were going to throw everything but the kitchen kitchen sink on um, second half. I, I, you knew that Deserby was going to be suitably 
um, annoyed about what he uh, the first half. I was very surprised that Enciso was subbed for for Fatty because he's not really lit the Premier League on on, on fire. I was really surprised that Lamptey was subbed for a dinger. I, 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 I might have bought Pascal Gross on. Pascal Gross for me was the, the key. He's had such a great season for them. So he came on the hour mark. And then I thought, well, we might have a problem here because he's 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 fairly certain to be part of the German setup for the years the years coming up. But when Ke- I think he bought Kearney and William on first, first with Pereira and Iwobi. And I thought that was the, those were the right decisions because you know with Kearney's going to calm things down. Uh, with William, he's very, very good in terms of ball possession and distribution. And um, I think by the 70-minute mark, I thought Brighton's race had been run. Um, you know, it just, they looked, again, they looked they looked a little distracted. Um, and, and, and I don't really blame them for that. As I said, they've got a huge game coming up this week. And I, and I wish them all the best. They, they're a great rep for, for England. And I hope they knock Roma off. But... Um, yeah, there was lots of two and four. I didn't really think we were in any sort of danger, except for that Ferguson miss. And really, he's right. you know he's got he's got to put that away. But um, apart from wasn't it Buonanotte got to hit the post? He did. Yeah, uh, yeah um, that was a bit a little fortuitous. Um, but I didn't really think it in the second half. I didn't I, I, even if they'd scored, I still think we would have held on. Okay, excellent. All right, Max, I'm going to give you the uh, duty of talking about. Adama Traore and his goal, but obviously also share your thoughts on the second half and we'll end with you sharing your thoughts on uh, Adama making it 3-0. Yeah, I actually disagree with you, honest. I think if, if, they'd, if they'd score made it 2-1, I think, I, think we, I think we'd draw or even lose. The momentum just felt like it was totally shifting and the goals changed games. So I really, the way we were so pinned back uh, at times towards the hour mark, 70-minute mark, yeah, they had more than enough time to get a second after they scored the first, and it was just so crucial that Leno stayed strong. They couldn't finish, and, and the post saved us. And when, whenever a team at the college is attacking the putt in the end and has the away fans there, it just feels like it's a different situation. They just, they just, they just get surged with confidence based on the away fans. That, that's just my take. Uh, but, you know, we held strong, rode our luck, and the high press from Deco Reed was excellent. Yep. Uh, the, the commentators were making a big deal about how Pascal Gross coming on was going to change the match. And they weren't wrong. It changed the match in the sense it gave us a third goal. And he really dilly-dallied on it. Um, and I, I thought Degadov Reed, you know, excellent in terms of he held on to it the perfect amount of time. He played a ball right into Adama Troy's path. And the composure from Troy was excellent to put it through the keeper's legs to make it 3-0. And uh, the most satisfying of endings to a game. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, I have a couple of comments I wanted to share. This is from actually Neil Stewart. So here's one that I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot about. He says, I just was listening to TalkSport and the main news supporter was calling for Deserby. How long until the calls are for Marco? Giannis, are you concerned about that? What are they looking for? Toilet cleaners? <laughs> Calling for Deserby for what? Get, they can get lost. Abject arrogance of Man U. Seriously, really, you really think you can just pick up a phone? It's not like 15, 20 years. It's not like Sir Alex has left the building. This isn't the the elite job that everybody says it is. It isn't. Liverpool are going to lose Klopp. That is an elite job. Not Man U, who are, you know, struggling doing what? A team that doesn't have an identity. What are you going to do? It's like going into Chelsea. You saw the Pochettino interview last night. He looked lost. 
He's going, what am I doing with these people with eight-year contracts? I wouldn't touch and that I job. No. I would not touch the Chelsea job. I wouldn't touch no. the man you job, Giannis. No. I mean, no. And so, so to answer Neil, um, Deserby's a very good manager. I don't think Deserby's smart on that. And how long until the calls are for Marco? I, they may not be far off, but I think that with Marco, he's got – he's not um, – uh, he's a man who's got a vision about what he wants and the way he wants us – to play, and I think he's still got a bee in his bonnet about what happened, certainly at Everton and at Watford, and that is why I think he's here for the long haul, and that's bad news for other teams. Um, you can't just, you know, pick up a phone and go, yeah, we'll take your manager. No, I mean, look what's happened with, who is it? Um, Brighton, the rumour has it that um, um, with De Zerbe, was it Barcelona might be after him, and, and Brighton saying, no, you can't, not yep. unless you give us a £12 million release. No, 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 no. Deserby's not going in. Deserby's not going anywhere. I'll tell you that. Deserby's not going anywhere and Marco's not going anywhere either. Okay. I'm glad that you put a stop to that, Yanis. That makes me feel a hell of a lot better. <laughs> okay, guys, let's finish up the show and let's talk about man of the match. If you're watching live, feel free to share your thoughts on who was man of the match here. Okay. Craig, I'll go to you first. Who's your man of the match? Rodrigo Mooney's. Wow. Okay. Any thoughts? Need an explanation. No explanation. Okay. Okay. Any uh, any honorable mentions? Honorable mentions. Um, yeah, I think uh, Harry Wilson or T Timothy um, Tim Castagna. Yeah, we haven't talked think, about him today. Yeah, but I think he had a pretty solid game, and he's been a you know coming in where Kenny Tete was dominating the position. I think Castagna has been actually pretty solid. And hasn't made very many mistakes. Okay. Very good. All right. I'm going to just share some comments uh, while we do this. Before I go over to you, Giannis, we have Stefan says Bassey. Our friend here says Harry Wilson. We have a few that are saying Harry Wilson. They're coming in very quickly here. Eric says Harry. Okay. Over to you, Giannis. Who do you have? It's got to be the Putney Pele. It's got to be. <laughs> It's got to be when years. And with honourable mentions, I, I thought Wilson was excellent. I thought Bassey was, was excellent. Craig mentioned Castagna. Castagna's done a brilliant job. And I think Lukic had a very, very solid game yesterday. Very, very, very neat and tidy. But Muniz, again, was just, he was in that total, utter nuisance. And um, the reception he got when he was subbed for, for Broha is testimony to the performance that he had so for me it's got to be the moo man okay max before i go to you i'm going to share some more here so we got this from david wellington muniz although wilson and bassey also would be a fair shout our friend comb goes with muniz is for me bassey honorable mention and our friend black white and fred wilson man of the match for his best performance since the championship muniz close second and bassey for honorable mention so we're naming the players here so Who's your man of the match to end the show? Clean sweep, all three of the co-hosts. I'm going to say Muniz. I like the Padre wow. Pele. I like that, Giannis. Yeah, because uh, he, he created Wilson's goal, um, and, and his goal of itself was just great. So, you know, I easily could have gone Wilson, but I'm going to go Muniz just for the confidence factor. Okay, I'm going to add to it, and I'm going to say Rodrigo, Rodrigo Muniz, so we'll go four. So there you go. Everyone's going with Rodrigo Muniz. Crazy that we're doing this, but... Listen, the proof is in the pudding. So that's our man of the match. 
fantastic show, guys. This was a fantastic show. Before we wrap it up, I just want to get final thoughts from all my co-hosts. First, over to you, Craig. Your final thoughts on the show and uh, looking forward to the Wolves match. Look, I think we're safe from relegation. I don't think we will make it to to Europe, unfortunately. Um, so we're a little bit in no man's land. Uh, you know, we want to keep racking up the wins. Um, we have a really tough fixture schedule. And so I think we're probably going to end up sort of mid-table-ish uh, by the end of the season. We won't be relegated, but I don't think we'll make it to Europe. Okay. Basically, mid-table. Okay, Giannis, your final thoughts? Couldn't agree more. Um, the, the, the fixtures, we remember, we've still got to play bus stop United away. Um, we've got some, you know, we've got Luton away last game of the season. Uh, we've got Sheffield United away. Um, we've got a tough, tough fixture list coming up. But these are the home games are going to be great for the fans. I mean, the, the City and Liverpool are going to have an impact on, on, on who wins the title. Tottenham will have an impact on who makes it to Champions League with Villa in a strong position. Um, the Luton Town one could be interesting because of the, the, the its last game of the season, but with the hearings for Everton and Nottingham Forest coming down, Forest could well be going down, I think. So it could could come down to that last game. So it's going to be great. We're going to have some, some good games. And if we finish 13th, 14th, we've still have had a very good season. Okay, what about this, Giannis? Goal should be to be above Chelsea and Brentford from Carl Tanner. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That lot, that lot at Stanford, Fulham B down at the bridge. And then that lot in Hounslow, Osterley, or whatever, Kew Gardens, whatever you want to call them. That, that, them, 26 points. And they're going to lose Ivan Tony. So they've just picked up a, a striker from Belgium for 36 yep. million. Um, but they're not out of the wood. They're not out of the woods yet. No, they're not no. out of the woods yet. No, no. It's nice to see. I'm yes. gonna leave it there. Yes. Okay, yes. Max, you're gonna have a final word. So your final thoughts. It's all about planning for next season. Now, let's try to not make the same mistakes we made this off season. You know, take advantage of the transfer window and, and be, as Russ likes to say, proactive and not reactive. It could because it looks like, as you know, Craig and Yana said, we'll be mid table. We won't get Europe. We won't get relegated. That's 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 an accolade, I think, given how tough the Premier League is nowadays and how yep. we know how we were the yo-yo club and now we're not. And that's big. No more yo-yo, Max. How can no we push on? How can we push on? We keep Marco. That's obviously huge, the contract. And we know some players might leave this summer. And we need to bring players in of, of, of higher caliber or equal right. caliber. So that's right. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and and let's let's just enjoy it because you know. It's not often that we can be comfortable at the end of the season. Like it was last season and now this season, and every other season it's been stressful. Um, so. I'm, I'm there with you. I just want to share a couple more comments. This is from our friend Black White Fred, West London Mini League Champions. I'm all for that. And Colm, I want to thank you for this because I don't say it enough. Hit the uh, the like button. Please do subscribe to uh, our YouTube channel. That would be a big help. And also subscribe on uh, where you get your podcast. Please do that. So I appreciate that, Colm. I don't do that enough. So thank you very much for saying that. Okay. And of course, Steve Reynolds feels like he needs the final word. So give Muniz a pay rise. I agree with that, Steve. I, we talked about that this morning. Okay. Great show, but it is time to wrap it up. For Craig Coben, 
Yanashaneas and Matt's Cohen. I'm Russ Cohen. Thank you as always for watching and listening to College Talk, part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.